0: It, would you open your Bibles, please, to 1 John uh, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians chapter five. I really like the book of 1 Thessalonians. When you get to chapter five, just put your little ribbon there or something like that, and I want us to turn back a chapter, actually two chapters, uh, two pages to, to chapter one. I want to show you something that, that I love about this church. So, we're going to study 1 John chapter 5, but I want you to read something with me. I might preach a sermon out of this one day, I don't know. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, listen to what Paul said beginning in verse 13. Well, I will just start in verse 2. We always thank God for all of you making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father. "'Your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, "'and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. "'For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you, "'because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, "'in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance.'" You know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. Listen to the starting in verse 7. This is key. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report what kind of perception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the com- coming wrath. Go back into verse 7. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Paul said, you are the model church. As I go to Corinth, as I go to Rome, as I go to Ephesus, as I go to Macedonia, all these places where I travel, Paul says, everybody wants to know about you. He said, when I I go to these places, in fact, I don't have to tell them God's really doing something in Thessalonica because the Word has already gotten to them. They come up and ask me, is it true? I mean, is God really doing those types of things? We want our church to be like that church. Wouldn't that be amazing for for Bershima to be that way? For God to do something so dramatic and powerful here that other churches start to say, man, we want our church to be like that church. We want God to do to work among us the way He has worked among them. It is a strong statement that Paul said, Everywhere I go, people ask me, Is it true what I hear about the Thessalonian church? And so that was something for us to aspire to. <coughs> it is something for us to work towards, To say we want to be that kind of church, That people see what God is doing here, and say, man, if he could just do the same thing here that he's doing there, we would, we would be thrilled with that. Well, when you get over into chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, Paul gives us some reasons to rejoice. He starts off with one of the shortest verses in the Bible tied with Jesus wept as a two-word verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 says, Rejoice always. Pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In these verses are some reasons For us to rejoice. Reasons that we are not to be people under a cloud of gloom. Reasons that that when people see us coming, they do not dread the conversation because they know it is going to be something negative and this is just going terribly for me. We have reasons to rejoice. And Paul mentioned some of those here. In fact, he started off here in verse 16 by saying that we are to rejoice always. That always is a powerful adverb. It, it, Paul did not say rejoice when everything is going the way that you want it to. Rejoice when all of your relationships are clear. Rejoice when you have come into unexpected financial blessings. Rejoice when the weather is as you want it to be. Rejoice when you have been recognized for some sort of accomplishment. Recognize when your children, or Rejoice when your children are, are doing something well. Paul said the adverb is that we are to rejoice always. In uptimes and downtimes, on mountaintops and in valleys. But we do have this idea that, well, if I am to rejoice always, I need some sort of basis for doing that. We don't want to be Artificial or superficial. We don't want to be like little orphan Annie and say the sun will come out tomorrow. I don't really know. I don't really have any basis of that hope. I just I just hope that it will. We have reasons. We have rock solid reasons that, regardless of the externals in our lives, we can rejoice. So, what does Paul say here? What does he say that they are? Well, first, one of the reasons that we can rejoice is that we have unlimited access to God. You see in verse 17, pray constantly. The God who flung the stars farther out in the heavens than we even can see listens to us at a moment's notice. That is a staggering thought. That God not only knows the 7 billion people are on this planet. Think about this. I mean, it is impossible for us to know what every person in this room is thinking. God knows every single thought that passes through every one of the 7 billion people on the planet at all times. And He listens to us. Paul says, you can pray constantly. You have access to God Every moment. Now, I don't know about you, but I started thinking about political leaders and and other influential people. I, at this moment, could not pull out my cell phone and call Keith Gaskin, mayor of Columbus. And if somehow I were to have his number, he would not answer the call because he, he wouldn't recognize my number. I couldn't call the chancery clerk, circuit clerk. When I lived around the corner in Hidden Lake, I couldn't call John Holloman, supervisor. I didn't have access to any of those people. None of those people recognized me. And certainly, when you get into uh, state senators and, and governors and lieutenant governors, they now I do know they know my number, because during election time, they call it all the time. Don't you think it's interesting that when they passed that do not call list that they exempted themselves? Did you know that? Did you know that the politicians who who said, hey, we don't want our people being bothered with these spam calls, except for ours. If I were to try to call Joe Biden, if I were to try to... I mean, there's not anybody... Of, of any political influence that, that at a moment's notice, I could say, I'll call them right now and I guarantee they'll pick up the phone. God does. Always. I don't have to make an appointment, say, God, I'll see you at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. I don't have to stand in line. If somebody starts praying ahead of me, I don't have to stand back here and wait until they finish. I can pray constantly. The schedule that I'm on lately has had me at some weird hours. A lot of Mondays and a lot of Thursdays, I've had a 6 o'clock flight, which has meant a 3.30 wake-up time. If you do that two days a week out of the seven, your body kind of starts thinking, maybe that's when I'm supposed to get up. And so there are some days, even this past week, it happened last night. Um, I'll wake up about 3 o'clock in the morning and have a l- I, I can get back to sleep, but sometimes I have difficulty getting back to sleep right away. And I, if, I, if, if my schedule is really heavy and just, I've just, got to get back to sleep, I just turn on one of the uh, recordings of my preaching and I'm gone <laughs> like that. when I start listening to them, I say, that's why people at Bersheba sleep. These are very relaxing. But if I'm not really pressed, if I'm not, if I'm not just, oh, God, I've got to get right back to sleep, sometimes I figure maybe God woke me up for a reason. And so I will, I will just start praying for whatever comes to my mind. Anything that, that comes into my head during that period when I am awake, I will pray about it. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, God is in tune with what I am saying. That is a reason to rejoice. To know that every care that weighs upon us, we can take it straight to the Lord. And He listens. And what His Word tells us, I've talked about this before, He responds to our prayers. It's not just a a pat on the head and say, Well, appreciate you sharing that, buddy. God responds. our prayers and so that's one reason for us to rejoice Paul says that we can pray constantly next he says we can give thanks in everything for this is God's will concerning you now listen the preposition here is important Paul did not say give thanks for everything some of the things that happen to us are awful Some of the chapters in our lives are brutal. God is not a cruel God who says, thank me for that. What he says is, give thanks in everything. Not for everything. And the reason we can give thanks in everything is because we know God is working. We can have confidence that even in the messiest, worst, blackest, darkest periods in our lives. That God says, I'm not through. You may not see it right now. But I am doing something. And God's promise to us is that regardless of what we face. He says he will bring good out of it. Always. Maybe not on our timetable or schedule. Maybe not in the way that we wanted him to. But he will. We can rejoice because God is at work in our lives. And even when we think, God, what can you do out of this? He says, Don't give up on me. Don't give up on me. I can bring something out of this. And that's another reason for us to rejoice because we can give thanks in everything, not for. There are still things in my life. You have them too. There are things that I would never, that I am not thankful for. But I am thankful in those things. I've seen God at work. You've seen God at work. There are things that if somehow you could go back and undo them, you might want to. It's hard to be thankful for those, but we can be thankful in those. And so that's another reason that we can rejoice. Another reason that we can rejoice is because God is working on us. He's, he is not just working around us, God is working on us. Look at what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm sorry, verses 23 and 24. He said, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify is a Bible word. We hardly ever use it outside of a church context. What it means is God is purifying us. The character flaws that we have, God is getting out the sandpaper and he is rubbing off. He is rubbing them off. He is smoothing us out so that he can varnish us. The impurities that we might have, God is removing those. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless. I am not nearly the person that I want to be. But I'm not nearly the person that I used to be. I am closer to Jesus Christ today than I used to be. There are a lot of areas where I still say, man, I've got a long way to go. But if you, to, if you were to ask me, I could chart some areas where I've seen significant growth, substantial growth. I'll give, you, I'll give you one example. I grew up, and I don't know why this did not come from my parents, I don't think, Because I I never viewed my parents this way. A lot of theologians say that your concept of God comes from your parents initially. If they were real strict and nothing else, nothing that you did ever seemed to please them, then that's how you think God is. And if God if your parents are absent and distant and just don't really, then that's kind of how you think God is. And and my parents worked this way. My parents were encouraging, but the way that I grew up. And even into college years, even into seminary, if I read 10 chapters in the Bible a day, I should have read 20. And if I prayed for 30 minutes, I should have prayed for an hour. I just constantly had this this, uh, theology that said I had to work to, to measure up to what God wanted. God has done significant work helping me see that that's not the type of God that He is. God's working on you too. If we allow Him to, if we say, God... Now, if we resist Him, if we push back, that's a different story. But if we say, God, I just want you to make me who you want me to be. He says, that's exactly what I'll do. I will sanctify you. I will purify you. And not just parts of you. Paul said, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless. God will work on every area where we allow Him to work in our lives. If you've got a bad temper, God will work on that if you allow Him to. If you're very materialistic, God will work on that if you will allow Him to. If you are lazy, God will work on that if you will allow Him to. Our whole spirit, soul, and body, He will work on. And that is a reason to rejoice, knowing that tomorrow I won't be the same person I was today if I let God work on me. The same is true for you. The fourth area that I want you to see is in the last part of what what I just read. Another reason that we have to rejoice is that Jesus is coming back to get us. Do you see that in the end of verse uh, 23? Your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. My quiet time this morning was from Psalm 48 which talks about God is a king who will not be defeated. I saw blasted all across social media today posts from parents about the Grammy Awards from last night. I didn't watch them, uh, but from what I understand, there were some godless performances and displays, and they were celebrated. They, they were affirmed, oh, this is wonderful. And sometimes we might start to think evil is advancing and wickedness is winning. God is winning. He works in ways that we don't see. He works on a timetable that we don't understand. But history on this planet is marching to a conclusion. The way things are now will not be the way that they are forever. At at the appointed time, we don't know when that is. What Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says is at the appointed time God sent Jesus to be born on earth. God did not just shrug his shoulders and say, you know what, I think today's the day. At the exact perfect time in history for God's design, Jesus was born when the fullness of time came. And I do not know when God is going to say, that's enough. But one day, the curtain of human history is going to close. And that will be it. And those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior will go home forever. That is a reason to rejoice. We are bound for the promised land. We are headed to a home Where there will be no more sadness, no more grief, no more pain, no more sorrows, no more loss, no more sin, no more anything that plagues us on this earth. Paul wrote about that a lot. One of the reasons that I think we do not look to heaven the way that Paul did is because our lives here are easier than Paul's. We pretty much live comfortably. There's not a person in this room who, who has ever spent a night in prison because you were preaching the good news of Jesus. There's not anybody here who grabbed onto a, a plank and was out in the Mediterranean Sea all night waiting for somebody to rescue you because you were headed as a missionary somewhere. Nobody here has been beaten, nobody heres. Nope, We just haven't suffered persecution. We kind of we kind of even talk about life is good. Life is good there, even those T-shirts, life is good. For Paul, he just kept thinking, "I've got to get there. That's when life will be good. We're upper- middle-class people who enjoy comforts and luxuries, and sometimes we can forget we were not made for this world. This is not our home. We don't need to be spending our money, time and energy making ourselves as comfortable as we can be here as much pleasure and enjoyment as we can get here we need to be thinking about the fact man if I live here to be if I live to be 100 that is a speck compared to eternity we can rejoice because we know that Jesus will make everything right and he will come back to get us the last reason that Paul mentioned in these verses that we have to rejoice is because we're part of a family. Look in verse 26, Paul said, Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. And then there in verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. When God saved us, he did not pat us on the back and say, I hope you can make it by yourself. You're going to have a long road to travel and it's going to be awfully lonely. We don't even have, in Christ, we don't even have acquaintances. We don't even have friends. What we have are brothers and sisters. The church is a family. It's intended to be a group of people whose lives are linked Together in ways that people who do not know Jesus Christ cannot understand. It's why I regularly keep talking about you need to be in Sunday school. You need to be here on Wednesday nights. What would you feel like if, if you... you, you I, I know that there is extended family that may live away. But, but how would you feel if in your immediate family... Husband, wife, children, mom, dad... You said, you know what... Really don't need to see you that often. That, that would communicate something about the relationship. Paul says the moment that Jesus Christ invaded your life, you got a bunch of brothers and sisters. When times are hard, you can lean on them. When their times are hard, they can lean on you. When there are difficulties and challenges and you need support, when there are things that you want to share... Just because of the, the the you are about to explode with joy, you got to tell somebody. Say, That's what they're for. It's one of God's greatest gifts to put us in a church where we can link our arms together and say we belong to him. we belong to each other because we belong to Him. And every one of those is a reason for us to rejoice today and tomorrow, and Friday, and Saturday, and every day that we are alive, and I hope that you will do that. I will close us in a word of prayer, and then right on time, we will be dismissed. Father, thank you for our chance to be together tonight. Lord, help us to be rejoicing people. Not critical people, not negative people, not cloud of gloom people. I'm not talking about denying the reality of what we face, but God, help us to keep in perspective these reasons that we can rejoice. They are rock solid, and we want to live in them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.